You're listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast, your primary source of information related to the hospitality industry in Washington State. Uh, so welcome everybody to uh, the monthly um, the monthly CEO podcast with our CEO Anthony Antone. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the uh, dissecting the workforce shortage. Many of you are faced with this. Uh, er actually, I think everybody is faced with this challenge right now. So, Anthony, with that, uh, and we will, uh, I will be moderating the uh, chat. So I'll be checking. The, please enter your questions here as well as the Q and A section, and I will be sure to share that with Anthony. But with that, Anthony, it's all yours. Uh, well, you know, Lewis. Lewis Rudd got it, and I found it at the same time he did Five Man Electrical Band. Uh, it's a song from, I think it was gotta be the 70s. That's, it used to be on my playlist. Um, but uh, there was a Facebook meme going out there that the workforce shortage is so bad that even long-haired, freaky people can now apply. Uh, 1970, wow, I feel like I'm in the Mariners game and we're, we're, playing, that, uh, <laughs> we're playing that game or name that song. So, so Lewis. I will come find you. I will. I'll pick you out to lunch. That's uh, that's the deal. We'll we'll do that, and that is going to be our main uh, main topic today. Will be the workforce shortage. Um, we are we are facing an unprecedented. God, how many times have we said that in the past fifteen months? Unprecedented time, and uh, we will get into dissecting the workforce shortage, and what I'm going to encourage you all folks to do um, as far as think strategically. But before we do that, let's just kind of talk about a little bit of the quick month in review um, uh, and, uh, and talk about what's in front of us. Uh, hopefully uh, you view that you get four areas of great value from us in government affairs, information, great training programs and other programs. In, in looking at each one of those, um, session ended last month, the governor did sign um, the things we were hoping he would sign, including the tourism package and most of the bills we needed to get uh, passed. So we were encouraged by that. Um, sticking with the state government side, um, we are now trying to get um, the unemployment insurance system opened up. And so we have sent a letter, um, organized the business community, sent a letter to the governor asking to pull his uh, unemployment restrictions and proclamations that were in play during the emergency and, and moving forward, um, I'm, I'm still meeting with the governor's office um, at least once a day, often multiple times, and we're encouraging, we've got to make pro progress on the UI. Um, and so in state government affairs, that's our main two areas of focus right now. Um, hey, last month we got announced that we'll be, uh, have a chance to open on June 30th. And so on the reopening front, um, we will be reopened on June 30th. Um, we are on track to open June 22nd. If the governor, I, I believe the governor's gonna have a big announcement to attract more people to get vaccinated um, this week. Um, I can't ruin his surprise or I won't get daily phone calls with them anymore, uh, but something will be coming on that front. If that takes off and spikes vaccinations, um, it, we're not out of the realm for that original June 15th date that we sent. I do think though, we are getting to a smaller and smaller group on vaccinations. Um, and so I think uh, probably one week is the optimistic view and maybe five, to eight, five, six days ahead of time would be a more realistic view. But 
If you know of anyone who's waiting, tell them to not wait because um, we can get open. A question I've been asked more than I thought, so I'll just be really clear, is everything for restaurants and hotels reopened on June 30th? And while the governor can always change his mind and I don't wanna act like he can't, my understanding is everything will be open on, uh, on June 30th with two exceptions. Major events um, and major, let's just say of multiple thousands or more um, are still gonna have some restrictions. Um, and I still think the governor is trying to figure out where to go with the mask stuff after June 30th. But as far as can you have salt shakers back on the table? Can you, is bar seating back? Um, uh, can we do other things? Yes, it's, it's all back. Um, and so um, let's hope that that's where the governor stays and, um, and we will be uh, moving forward on that. Um, on the federal side, I hope on the restaurant front, everyone got in the restaurant revitalization funding package and I hope many of you did get it. We did know that it was only one out of five or one out of six were actually gonna get it. There wasn't enough money there to make it happen. So um, for those who didn't, um, um, I, I do feel for you, we are pushing for additional funding. And on the hotel side, there'll be a hotel version of this um, that is being pushed, the Save the Hotel Jobs Act. So on the federal front, those will be our two main pushes is trying to backfill um, as much as we can the funding to get everyone who applied funded for the restaurant revitalization fund and uh, get a hotel version of that going, the Save the Hotel Jobs Act, uh, working with national. If you saw our national podcast, you heard both the national CEOs talk about that. So uh, anything could happen sooner. And uh, in this day and time, you never know anything. But if I were a betting man, it will fall, probably follow the transportation package, probably start seeing real activity in mid-July. So I'm not anticipating major movement on that this month other than hopeful building a public pressure to fund those things. Um, on, the, on the benefit side, we are seeing a record number of people uh, apply for our healthcare program. That again, probably gets to our topic today of, uh, of the workforce shortage and trying to attract and keep and uh, secure your workforce. Um, but I'm, I'm pleased that our healthcare benefit is getting that much action. Um, and uh, if you haven't checked that out, Lex, maybe someone can drop the, the link in the, in the chat about uh, how to get a, uh, a quote. Moving forward, I think we're gonna continue to try to get those options out there for employee benefits and otherwise. Lex, I realize I'm so excited about today's big topic. I forgot to ask, do we have a sponsor today? Uh, not, not for today, no. All right. Well, then we did not ignore anyone. I'd feel horrible. But we do have an email. So if I'm saying anything and you want the charts, you want the, you want to have a further question, you have a one-off question. Uh, Lex, what's the email that people can email to to ask uh, more information on anything we talk about today? It's podcast at wahospitality.org. Perfect. And if you can go ahead and you did put that yep. in the chat. Yep. So for those who are, who are listening to this in your car on your drive home later tonight or uh, um, in another time frame, that again is podcast at wahospitality.org. Ask us anything. We are your primary source of information, right, Lex? Yes. And as the leader of the information side, Lex, um, 
what are what is the let's just go with one highlight of the past month and what information should be coming out this next month well we put a lot of effort into the rf toolkit which a lot of our members uh, took advantage of and and we're, we're able to utilize so we got some great feedback on that so as we close that off a lot of it came around uh, um, a lot of the information requests came around uh, what new information are we going to be providing our members at the next stage and one of that is uh, the mask and vaccine guidance. We do have a mask and vaccine guidance uh, toolkit up on the site, uh, but we also have our reopening guides for lodging, uh, restaurants, and entertainment up on there as well, which we are updating on a daily basis. So if you go to hub.wahospitality.org, you'll be able to find all of these resources, and, um, and, um, and I'll be posting links to them throughout the podcast as well. Hey, Alexa, someone said they can't see your, uh, oh, you just emailed the panelists and not the attendees. Oh, on, okay. My bad. All right. Hey, L, period. I'm assuming that is a shortage and <laughs> the parents didn't name you L, but it'd be really cool if they did. Thanks for that reminder that we actually got to let everyone know. And I probably already knew the email. Yeah. Thank well, you so much for letting us know. So uh, with that, let's get into the, the topic today. Um, and I, I hope we do two things. One, I hope everyone understands the depth of the workforce shortage crisis when we're done talking about it today. Um, and, and then two, I hope you leave here thinking, okay, I need to be strategic. This is more than simply the governor unlocking the unemployment insurance system. So if nothing else, and you leave here today with that in the next 15, 20 minutes, um, before we get to Q&A, then I, I feel like we'll have done our job. So I do have a PowerPoint on the screen, but for those of you who are driving, don't worry. It's just gonna, cause I get so ADD, it's gonna keep me on track to what I wanna talk about. Don't feel like you have to be reading what I'm talking about. Um, but the, uh, what I do wanna talk about is that our industry is facing a 90,000 worker shortage. Where did I get that number? Um, before COVID, um, we had 89,000 more workers than we had today. And I'm anticipating the need to have most of those workers back. And so that is the number we're dealing with in our shortage. That's roughly half of the current worker shortage. So if you look at the number of people employed pre-COVID and now, um, it's about 180,000, we're half of that number. I think what worries me even more is as the economy comes back online, we're gonna see maybe, I, don't, I think it'd be reasonable to assume about another 100,000 jobs would come on the market on top of that. So that's a lot of need um, that we have out there. So the question is, all right, we need 90,000 workers, where are we gonna get them? And the most common phone call I get is, well, if we could just get everyone off unemployment, we'll be fine. And that is the number one issue. And it's a frustration I share with a lot of people, but I don't think it tells the whole picture. Um, well, let's go back one. Um, the uh, if you look at everyone who's connected to our industry in the unemployment insurance system, that's only 34,000 workers in leisure and hospitality. So that's you know, roughly about a third of our need are currently receiving UI benefits. So that means two thirds of our need is gonna have to come from somewhere else. Alex, roll forward. Uh, and so well, like, well, what, what about the rest of the workers that are, are in unemployment that are not connected to, uh, to us? 
actually our unemployment is down to 5.5% and the five-year low, I think everyone remembers the red hot economy in 2018 and 19, um, the five-year low is 4.3% unemployment. The difference between those numbers is roughly 90,000 workers. So if you take out the 34,000 workers we need, everybody else that needs a worker is competing, is competing for roughly about 56,000 workers. Again, if we just get 10% of that number, we're still far short of what we need for our workforce. So where's everybody else? Um, I don't wanna bore you in details. I'm gonna give you some, some top lines uh, and give you an understanding. We know that about 5,000 of our workers are in grocery, that they left us and grocery had, probably the best time to own a grocery store since 1954. Um, not that anyone was looking to do that and not that that's just the reality of how it played out. And so grocery workers are up 5,000. As the food dollar returns to normal, we expect that to rebalance and, and that as we get busier and grocery slows down and they don't refill, we're expecting that migration to that 5,000 grocery workers to, to migrate back to our industry. But grocery is not the only area we lost. I've I, I talked to a ton of people, have lost people to Amazon, full-time retail, other folks. Other folks have said, you know, I, <laughs> the, the workhorses in our industry, the great people who showed up no matter what, who showed up in snow, who were willing to work when, when they had to cover two shifts, those people didn't want to be on unemployment and they didn't want to be uh, without work for 14 months and they looked for something more stable. And so we all know that we've lost workers to other industries. Uh, we also know that we lost some of our talented workers on the chef side, on the regional manager side to other states that were open. And while that number it may be the smallest of the three I've talked so far, it's enough where I am mentioning that we've lost workers permanently to some other states. Uh, but that's not all. Um, normally, as many of you know, we are the first job for a ton of people. But in 2020, we were nobody's first job. And so why that's important now is we tend to have a two-year tail on people with their first job. They go through high school with us or their first few years of college with us, or they come back for a couple of summers, or while they're starting their other career, we're kind of a, a job that balances a starting level income. But the reality is we got none of those people in 2020, so we don't have any of their tail now. We would now be in that second year of the 2020 first job workforce and, and we're without it completely. They got their first jobs in grocery, in big box, in other places, um, and they moved on from our industry. And so that's kind of, I call it the lost sophomore class of 2020 couple of other areas. We know that we're going to continue to have an issue with childcare until the, the daycare industry and schools get back going. And uh, that is probably going to be a barrier no matter how we approach it. And people just don't have a place to put their kids um, uh, during this area. Like we lost a lot of people in our industry, uh, daycare also had a ton of permanent job and permanent business closures. That's created a shortage of those kind of businesses that exists for people to have their daycare too. We also have um, a huge retirement boom. Um, and what, it, what happened for years, and by the way, Lex, 
you know, I'm a data nerd. Slow me down. If I'm talking too fast, I get too excited about my data or you want me to repeat something I just said or move on. Um, but we are, we had for several years in a row, that typical retirement age of 62 started to move to 63 to 64. People were delaying their retirement. What we're seeing now um, in the data that's coming out of 2020 is a huge retirement boom. So people who were delaying their retirement suddenly retired. Why does that impact us? Because our workforce is so young. The industries they retired from are hiring up and then hiring up and then hiring up. So cooks that may have been retired may now permanently be retired, but other industries are now hiring to fill retirement losses. Uh, there are two and a half million more people in the, in the US than retired in 2020 than in 2019. That's two and a half million jobs that are gonna be pulled uh, in another direction. And then we've been talking about this for years. The uh, Gen X is 10% smaller than the boomers. So for every um, boomer group that retires, there's not enough Gen Xers to fill them, which means millennials are moving faster up a career ladder than maybe any other generation we've seen since the 1940s, 50s. Um, so this is creating a big pull on the industry away. And then lastly, um, we're not the only industry, although we're the worst, most impacted industry 11 of the major industry categories categorized by uh, ESD are suffering a workforce shortage. So we're gonna be competing with wages and benefits from trucking, can't find starting truckers at $60,000 a year with full benefits. Uh, warehouse is still short, Amazon's still hiring. We are competing with industries all over who are fighting for workforce. It's not just competing with the operator across the street. Um, and, the, and the hotel in, in the next area. So what I'm really trying to leave people with, um, Lex, and maybe we can flip off this, this screen share for a second and just you and I talk and see if there's any questions. Before we get into the what we're gonna do, um, only about a third of our workforce, when we get the governor to unlock unemployment and we get all those people required to look back for work, which I'm hopeful will happen, and we're gonna push really hard. Um, we still are missing two thirds of the workforce that we need uh, to get back to normal. When you heard me talk about that, Lex, do you have any questions? Did anything pop up in your mind of, gosh, that, I, I didn't know that or that didn't make sense to me? Well, I'm, I'm surprised that it's only 30% because, you know, being inside the industry and I talked to members, you know, heck, I was, was a member for a while and and the, the input I hear is that it, it seems much higher than that. But so 30% seems like a low number. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. Now, where, so the rest is, the, the rest of the 70% is coming from those other categories that you mentioned? Yeah, a lot of our workforce is just flat out gone, yeah. right? They, they've left us for other industries or something, or they've retired or they've moved on. And then some of our workforce, we're just gonna have to fight to get back and recruit from scratch. And, and it, it's the mix of about nine things that adds up to about two thirds. I was actually on uh, a phone call with uh, uh, ESD this morning, trying to get the latest data so I could give more context and stats. Um, but they said they absolutely agreed with everything I've just said. We've gone through it. Um, I've been talking to many reporters. Um, we're all finding similar data 
So we need to get it unlocked, but yeah, it's, it's somewhere else. Now there's a, a nice comment from Robert in the chat. Uh, teen employment should be a good source. Is that, uh, how, how helpful could that be? It could be, it could be very helpful. And I want to get into solutions in a second and I'll lead with that when we come, when we come back. Um, but, uh, I would say that, um, that's exactly what we're gonna have to do and is turn into recruiters, um, which, you know, I, I grew up in our industry. I literally was, had sleeping bags in my mom's office and washing dishes. And to think of what my dad would have to do today to hire a worker, um, he would go insane. Uh, the idea that he'd have to go out and recruit people to come to work for his restaurant when he used to be able to hang a sign and say, now hiring and be full, um, it's just, Granted, those days are long gone. Um, any millennials like you used to hang a sign in your window? Why would you just post that on the internet? But um, <laughs> those days are gone. Um, any other questions on the why we're short workforce? Like uh, this alludes to it. There, there's uh, uh, this kind of alludes to it. We have uh, uh, Laura who mentioned, can restaurant owners afford to pay more than minimum wage? Uh, I guess com wage competitiveness could be an issue. Yeah, and so I think most of our questions are gonna get into what are the solutions. Um, and so let's start getting into that. And, and Lex, I think the first solution I wanna talk about, and by the way, as I talk about these, I swear, I recognize some of these won't work for your business. But if one of them does, I'm happy. Um, because we are a very diverse industry from, from, uh, from food trucks to the highest end. Um, where where are we going to go? And so let's just kind of run through some of those ideas. I would love to see more ideas in the chat room because I think we're all on a journey here. Um, but I've talked to a good hundred operators in the past month, all on these issues, all pushing them to say, give me some ideas. Um, and I think the first one, uh, one of the ones I would talk about, it, is there any way for you to reinvent yourself? Um, I talked to operators about maybe can I go more limited service? so I can do more ordering at a single spot? Can I do other things that get me there? As I grow back, what can I be more dependent on tech than I was in 2019? Um, can I, can I re-watch Anthony's old Lean Hospitality um, podcast from before and really get into um, Lean Hospitality practices in reshaping my business? I get some of your concepts will not go for a reinvent, but if you're gonna be short this many workers for a few years, um, I think you at least have to ask yourself the question, is it possible? Yeah, another one I would ask yourself is to revisit profitable hours. Um, I got three calls, different operators, different parts of the state, but essentially the exact same conversations past month. One, I can't find workers I'm closing for lunch or I'm, closing Monday, Tuesday, or I'm opening later. Um, and then they called me back and they're like, oh my God, I made more money last month. <laughs> uh, I know it's not true for everyone, but my point is, is, is a Tuesday afternoon lunch, are you actually making money if you look at your P&L by a shift? But if you can't get the workers to fill it anyway, where what you'd have to pay for that particular shift is so high, can you shift the workforce to where your profit margin is great? And can you make more net by making less gross? Lex, does that one make sense? 
Yes, that makes sense. I think that uh, oftentimes as an operator, we look at, you know, should we open up for lunch or if you're full service, should we open up for breakfast? And um, as customers, you kind of scratch your head sometimes, you wonder why they're not open, uh, but that's why. Uh, there's just not enough business to support the profit and loss for that, or you use those hours for prep work, right? You're preparing for the dinner rush. So, so yeah, and again, it will, may not be an answer for everyone, um, but I'm just trying to get ideas flowing in the industry. Can you shift the workers from your unprofitable shifts to where you need them and, 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 and close your hours or shift things around where you're not making any money anyway? Um, this uh, recruit would be one that I would really throw out there and um, shift your mindset to how do I become the hunter for a workforce? Um, uh, can I go to my local high school and hang out? Can I sponsor at my local high school's registration page um, a we're hiring now? Um, can I go to the tech schools? I talked to five community colleges and they said, actually, we're not hearing from that many hospitality operators that they're in need. I'm like, oh my gosh, they don't know to call. So who can you call there? Who can you set up there? How do you get that going? Um, this is an old school approach and, and I don't know how it fits today, but can you throw on one of your slowest nights of the week, a, a, an industry party? I think if anyone from this eighties or seventies remembers, there used to be like restaurant nights or lodging nights and the workforce would come out. And then can you use that as a chance to recruit for the people who came to you saying, anyone here tonight that wants to have this cool atmosphere that we live in, go from there. But I, I think you need to turn yourself into a hunter mentality um, because people are not just gonna be showing up at your door. You're gonna have to go find them. Lex, if any questions come up as I go through these idea throwouts, just, you know, I'm totally, I'm Greek. I'm used to being interrupted. It's just part of my culture. Um, uh, go for go from there. Uh, next idea. Pay incentives. Okay, it froze on my screen, so I still see recruit on my on my page. Just see, oh, pay incentives. Um, there are many people who are doing a hiring bonus, um, and and move forward from there. And and I I think that's an idea that could work for some of your areas. I would put the bonus at if you're with me for thirty days or sixty days. This, I wouldn't treat it like an NFL signing bonus to sign up front. So think that way and move forward. Um, I think you're going to have to do some research. By the way, if you, go, if you do go to your technical college, have them find one of the business students and have them do the research and get credits. But find out what your local warehousing, your local starting level construction, your local Amazon the other hotels in your area are paying and get competitive. Um, I saw someone say, um, how, can we not affect, <laughs> how can we not afford to be competitive? I think you're right. If you have no workforce, what do you do? And uh, as, as a free market person my whole life, this is a moment in time where the free market will benefit the worker. And that means that we're gonna have to be competitive with where they're at if we can't make other changes. And so I would look at that. I would look at anchors. People will jump for 50 cents, but they won't jump to leave their, uh, and I think this is coming up next, their healthcare, um, their other, their benefits and those things. And so how can you create anchors to create the, resist the temptation to jump for a 50 cent raise? 
it drives me insane when people do this uh, for uh, our workers, and I, probably many of you. You're like, if you wanted 50 cents more, let's have a conversation. But don't join me for a week and then say, leave me a week later because someone gave you 50 cents more. It's just, um, you probably didn't work that, want that worker anyway. They weren't going to be a great, loyal member of your team. Um, another one that I would talk about, Lex, would be, uh, and, and this is a little out there, and you're probably going to have to have team members that are a little more optional, but I, uh, my son worked in restaurants and, you know, damn it, he better uh, last year. And uh, for his summer job, I've been like, well, where are you going to work this year? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And he's like, dad, I'd rather work for a gig company because I'm going to school. I'm taking classes this summer. He's learning Egyptian. Why the hell he's learning Egyptian? I can't tell you. Um, but uh, he wanted a gig job. Um, being from hospitality, that kind of killed me, but he wanted the flexibility to study, focus on some of the stuff he wants. He didn't want the responsibility of a 30 hour shift. So I don't think he's alone in that. Um, so can you do one day shifts? Can you share workers with other operators? What can you do on app-based scheduling? If we're trying to attract him and all his goofiness and all his generation's goofiness that might be different than ours, um, I know some want to criticize the gig economy, but the reality is it's really attractive to a younger workforce. Is there anything here where you could attract something different and attract gig workers? I don't know. It's just an idea. Next slide. Um, this one is coming up a lot. You know, it's funny. I, I talked to four or five HR people this month, and this is the one they're bringing to me is our culture and hospitality. I look back again, I don't mean to beat up my dad. I love him. He's my hero. Grew up in a different era. But he used to have a sign right by the dishwasher that said, uh, 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 new ideas and, uh, and enthusiasm are strongly frowned upon and will be punished by death. You know, and he thought that sign was hilarious. And I also think that was his reality in a different generation. The culture to him was your culture is you have a job. Uh, I think in today's world, um, culture is important. And so having a conversation around culture, is our culture good enough that our workers want to recruit people that they want to work with? And if it's not, why? And, and it was interesting to me because other HR directors were bringing this to me and saying, I, they're hearing from more and more workers who they're trying to recruit back or recruit from that their experience with the culture of hospitality as a job, um, as a great place to work in his family, wasn't something they wanted to be a part of. And so how can we treat employees like family? Great point, Robert. How do we, how do we treat employees of a place that they wanna be to? That coming into work is fun, not Jesus, when is my shift over? And I do think if, even if we recruit a workforce, how do you retain a workforce? Have you answered yourself this question? Would my current great team members want to recruit the people that they want to work with to us? And if not, what's wrong with our culture that doesn't allow that? So I feel I'm like doing a lot of talking at, but well, I think- We, we a, have a few questions here, Anthony. If it's yeah. Okay to, um, yeah, give me a break, <laughs> William. Hit me with some other stuff. All right, we got a, a question from Chris. Uh, 
reinventing the business is a is a good question and analysis but how do we also reinvent clarify the issue of making a career within the restaurant world uh, a quality career in the past the european model that showed our world as a viable post high school career has struggled to take hold in the us it seems to be more of a waypoint to the next and better option you know i think this is a really good one who asked that question uh, Chris Siemens. Chris, I think that's a great question. And I'm going to go to, here's the reality of our workforce. And I, and, I, and I preach this to a lot of different high schools and other people I talk to is, you can go, we should be better than a college degree. Not that I don't have a get going to college. I'm diehard Coug, I do. But you can go from entry level to 50,000, 60,000 in four years. Not every college degree does that, but, but the problem with our industry, Chris, is we jump. And so maybe you start off at a counter at quick service, you jump to here, and then maybe you, you jump from that job to a line cook and from a line cook to over here. And so to get to that $60,000 experience, you're growing an experience in different areas. Um, and what I'm learning in how we articulate it, and Chris, I think you should challenge for me on this in the upcoming year, is how do we articulate that to an industry that, that to a generation that's like, well, I came here, I came to work for you, now get me to 60,000. No, but here's how you get to 60,000. Here's how you get to that family wage. Mm, I hate using that phrase. A job that will provide for a home, a job that will provide for kids and move forward from that. And here's how tips work. And so I think we need to do a lot, a long, a lot of articulating of the first job is the first job but it's not the last job. Here's what career ladders look like. And I think that really worked for our industry for a lot of years when it was better understood, but that understanding is being lost. And I think we need to build it back up. Other questions, Lex? All right, I've got one from Sean. Uh, would the ESD consider a return to work or first time teen employment financial incentive for an employer and employee, specifically for the hospitality industry, the idea would be to encourage those not working to get back to work or start working, teens. So, uh, and, and who asked that question, Lex? Uh, Sean Gardner. Hey, Sean. Um, Sean, we have started a conversation with um, uh, work, I always get it wrong, work, workforce, uh, the, uh, the getting people to work side of ESD. And we are brainstorming ideas and what those ideas might look like. And I'll bring that idea forward. Um, we are participating in a, a job fair uh, with ESD coming up um, that if one of our team members can drop the link to that job fair in there, I'll be speaking to it. Um, but I think we're gonna have to have some creative ideas. A lot of these things that are not gonna occur at ESD, they're going to occur in your local workforce board every county, most counties have one. And that is an area where I would plug in because for us, we can't do it with 18 of them around the states. Um, you're gonna be more effective finding out who's my local workforce board. Is it Pack Mountain? Is it uh, Norwest? Is it, uh, I can't remember the one in the Tri-Cities area in the moment. Um, but those are the areas that will ultimately adopt the programs that we create ideas for. Uh, here's a question. Um, uh, let me just phrase it a little bit here from Morgan. 
since COVID, the wineries have adapted <coughs> to provide customers with seated experiences and offer uh, food on top of this. I'm struggling uh, how we're going to pivot back to the old ways of wine tasting and how our staff will be affected by this change. Most of them are not trained on what bar tastings look like and seated experience, experiences provide better tips by far. Are we going to experience negative comments from customers who would prefer uh, to be seated at uh, the seated experience versus bar tastings? Uh, so many questions on how many op how, how opening back up may change the wine industry and what, um, what we do with the bar tastings. Yes, <laughs> I, think, um, I think the reality is um, we have to be creative um, and I think we're gonna have to be flexible. Uh, you asked a couple of different questions in there, Morgan. Um, there are those who are gung-ho to be back and they want normal to be normal and exactly like it was. Um, and we just completed some polling. Um, and if you have more questions, I can bring up the poll in my background and answer some questions. But there's still an element of the public, about 15 to 18%, um, that is not completely comfortable in coming back. The good news is that number is way up from what it was in January. But I think we're going to have some time of people being comfortable um, with masks, without masks. We're going to have some time of new experiences um, and moving forward from there. I would encourage, we need the staffing to do it, of course, um, but work with your local community to continue outdoor dining um, because I think those experiences have been great and you're going to be more effective in getting your city to allow for it. I believe the city of Seattle just extended its free permitting for outdoor dining um, in the city of Seattle. I think I read that yesterday. If one of my members of my local government affairs team is on, they can post the information on that. But we're going to have to be flexible as people come back and we're going to have to listen to what people say. I think the other thing I'm learning, we probably knew, this is so regionalized. What Jefferson County is comfortable with out on the coast is incredibly different than what Lewis County is, uh, is comfortable with south of Olympia. Both rural communities, both rural workforces, but their comfort level and their customer expectation could might as well be in different planets. And so you're gonna to have to listen to your guests, listen to your communities um, and be comfortable that the national messaging advice may not apply to you. Lex? I got another question. I think this is a sentiment that a lot of members um, are faced with. Uh, with margins so thin in our industry, how do we stay competitive uh, with pay uh, without um, pricing ourselves out of business, especially for smaller independent operators. We can't just spend our way out of this problem. Yeah, I think that's why most of the things I, I've talked about today are alternatives to that. Uh, pricing is going to be have to be a part of it. And, 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 uh, and I know pricing is one of the hardest gut-wrenching, ulcer-causing challenges in our industry. I swear I get that. I watched my dad smoke three packs a night when he would try to... Uh, it changes menu and, and it is sensitive. I get all that. Um, but I think a lot of these changes are gonna be more structural and permanent. Um, running a PL by shift for a short period of time to understand, is there any shifts you could actually do without and not lose um, your brand or otherwise? Um, some of these other ideas we've talked about are gonna have to be out there, including tech, um, but, we, that's what I'm encouraging you to think of. How can we reinvent? 
Yeah, Anthony, you brought something up there in terms of pricing. And, and I, I understood that was one of the most difficult things I always had to do is when we have to shift the price, even 5%. I mean, that's painful, right? Because we're afraid we're going to lose to the other pizzeria across the street. And uh, however, it's a little bit different because remember over the pandemic, people have been used to paying a 30 to 40% premium because they've been getting things via DoorDash, via third-party delivery, all of these things. So um, uh, that's also something to consider that the consumer base has been massaging it a little bit to be conditioned to pay a little bit more uh, as long as they get what they pay for, right? Yeah. I'm going to say something that sounds easy, and yet I realize how difficult it is. But I, I do think Starbucks taught, taught us all a lesson is if I can't get there by beating them on price, can I charge what I need on price and then get there by providing a perceived value, right? Can you, I still can't believe we pay six bucks for a cup of coffee, right? It, it, back in my day, a loaf of bread and a cup of coffee was 50 cents. But my point is, um, it's that experience and that perceived value. And so what can we do in that area to make people like, well, yeah, I'll pay six bucks for a cup of coffee. Um, easier said than done. I, I, it's not always easy to do, but um, pricing is, is, is just gonna be part of this reinvention. The other one we haven't talked about, by the way, on workforce, if you're not sh signed up for uh, shared work, um, Lex, if you can drop the uh, link to the toolkit in there. Um, if you do have any workers on unemployment, you can offer them shared work if you're part of the shared workforce program. And if they decline shared work, they're off the system. Done. But if they're like, well, I make more money on unemployment, I'm not sure that that's true because I've actually seen the averages for our industry of what they're actually making, even with the $300. But in shared work, you can offer them 20, 30 hours and they still get the $300. They're actually money ahead. So if, if you still have people stuck in the system, apply for shared work, offer them shared work, and even if they accept 10 hours, the rest of their unemployment that they're, they're receiving on there never gets charged to you moving forward again. Shared work is a, a hell of a deal. It's not everyone we have there. Many of your workers are already back. Some of them are there that you don't want back, but um, I would say the one absolute I would do is sign up for shared work, have that ready to go as a system, be registered, um, uh, ESD, the Employment Security Department, gave me the number of how many of our restaurants have actually signed up. It's nowhere near what our industry should be signed up for shared work. So I would, if someone else does that for you in an accountant or an HR role, say, have we signed up for that? Can you sign us up for that and get that rolling for us? And Lex did drop the toolkit in there for you. Yeah. Lex, what other questions do we have? I think... Uh... That was it. We had a uh, raise hand. It's just difficult to kind of, uh, we are running on limited time. So if you do have questions, please enter it in the chat or in the Q&A. But that is all we have uh, All we have for now. We are a little over on time though, Anthony. So I think we're- We've gone over our half hour. Um, Lex, can you drop one more time in uh, the email that if they have any other questions? Okay. It's podcast at wahospitality.org. Perfect. We are going to work with the governor's office. I don't want anyone to mishear me. We are working with the governor's office. We do have a letter in. It's daily part of our, our top priority is to 
un unlock that 30% of workers who are in the unemployment insurance system. So don't get me wrong. We are working on that. I commit to you. We're going to continue to work hard on that. And we will engage where we need to engage on that. Um, but I hope everyone's leaving here today and or listening in the car later thinking, all right, that's not going to solve my problem. How do I think differently? I've got a question uh, from John Nesby uh, who has, uh, regarding, uh, wants us to talk about the affordable telehealth benefits for our members. You uh, bet. It, uh, and I wish I came prepared for that because he is right. If you haven't looked at telehealth benefits um, and what we're offering through High Hit and otherwise um, and our healthcare suites, um, please do. And if you want to learn more about, about how some of these can be offered or the other benefit programs that we're trying to collect and offer on your behalf so you have good choices to offer your employees, uh, please email us. We'll have an expert call you. Um, Lex, I, I didn't, I, I know it is a strong benefit, but my brain is remembering my key talking points and I'm, uh, I'm blanking. Any, anything you, you jump in on top of that? Well, I'll just, uh, what I'll do is I'll, set, I'll, I'll uh, upload a link here uh, to the uh, chat, but also if they go to wahospitality.org, you can just click, click under member savings and you can learn more about our, uh, uh, our uh, uh, high hit program. So uh, I just encourage everybody to just go to um, wahospitality.org and, and uh, can find the information about the program there. Well, I wish everyone good luck in, in, in the month moving forward. Um, I feel like we've jumped from one crisis to another. I know this one sucks, but I, it's, it's better than being closed. I am really excited to be open and we all need to work together to share ideas, share concepts. If you have any ideas that you want me to share or you want us to research and find out the legalities of, please email us. We are here to serve you. Um, and uh, if you wanna use me as a sounding board or use our legal resources to vet other creative ideas, I hope you stay in touch because um, we all can learn from each other. Um, I saw two new messages pop up, Lex. Anything I need to do, or should we go ahead and uh, wish everyone a good month? Yeah, I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay, everybody have a great June. Hopefully, we're open by uh, the third week of June. And um, Lewis, thanks for uh, answering the musical question. I will uh, track you down, and, um, and we can go have lunch together here sometime this month. Everybody have a good Thanks for listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, wahospitality.org, where you can learn more about the restaurant and lodging industries and the Washington Hospitality Association. Be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google, Spotify, or iHeartRadio so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Thank you so much for that effort. Until next time.